What's going on, everyone? Mike O back. Hobby Talk. Appreciate you taking some time out of your day to listen to the show. Really happy to be joined today by Scott Hathcock, also known on YouTube as Big Scott 35 I will post his channel in the description of the YouTube version of this podcast. You can also listen to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, and many other areas where podcasts are available. Scott, how you doing today? Uh, doing just fine. Just fine. Yourself? I'm doing well. I'm excited to uh, get another show, get another show done. Episode number 25, and definitely happy to have you on. You are uh, certainly a true collector, maybe even could be considered an old school collector in this time of investing and flipping and everyone just obsessed, literally obsessed with the values of cards. Uh, It would be nice to converse with someone who's a little more focused on enjoying the cards, enjoying the PC and the different aspects of collecting. So I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely uh, old school. Trying to break some of those trends is tough, but, you know, I'm trying. For sure. There's only so much you can do in uh, the year of 2020, (laughs) especially when it comes to the hobby. Things have just uh, blown out of control. But, Scott, for those who uh, aren't familiar with you, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about kind of your history in the hobby, how you got into it, and kind of how you found yourself uh, at this point making videos on YouTube showing off your collection? Uh, well, it started way back in uh, 74. I was born in 71. I am 49. Uh, 74, yes, three years old. I was not buying my own packs, believe it or not, but uh, my dad would buy them, and that was a good way that we would open them up and talk about the players, um, reading the backs, things like that. I grew up in a baseball family uh sports family my my dad did radio um had his own saturday um sports talk show announced a lot of local sports on the radio just a small little local channel uh so i i started there growing up and then in the 80s um when you know and get on my bicycle and ride a 7-eleven picking up packs and things like that and kind of became the the go-to guy in my neighborhood where everybody brought their cards to me and um of course you know did all the trading and things like that but you know i hear stories where kids were taking cards to school and things like that that was not my area we didn't i had an lcs that was also a jewelry shop <laughs> but it was more jewelry and uh we really didn't get one till the late 80s so my standards and what how I learned how to collect was pretty much on my own, which, you know, was not wrong until um, when I got back really heavy back into it in 2010, 2011, and um, trying to collect like you do in the 80s uh, when it was only really one set of tops, one Fleer, Don Ross, and then Upper Deck, which I loved at the time. Um, yeah, it totally changed the game for me and then later uh learning and founding youtube i really wasn't big into youtube i didn't watch a lot of videos or tv so uh found some actually i played a lot of video games it was playing mlb the show it was getting tips and a guy was doing baseball cards because mlb the show works with tops um 
people don't know, and you open up the packs on there, and it's just like the card you get. It's just a virtual card, and you create teams with the cards. But anyway, uh, and that's how I got into it on YouTube. Uh, I picked up some guys that I didn't – I they didn't know what they were talking about um, or, uh, you know, people that don't probably – have the respect of a lot of people uh, in the community now, but uh, I found other guys like you and some other people that got me into how and everything. But before I found y'all, I would sit at work and go, man, these guys don't know much and all that. And my friends go start a channel. So I did. <laughs> and that's how it started. And uh, over the years, um, growing up, my dad uh, knew wanted to play baseball. He knew I wanted to play baseball fastest route as a catcher so first he had me i love johnny bench which led to gary carter and then late 80s of course you had ken griffey and frank thomas and uh and kyle ripkin i grew up as a huge kyle ripkin fan um so that they're the guys that i mainly collect and in the mets uh, if anybody sees any of my videos um you're gonna see a lot of hashtag uh, lgm and Mets cards on there with Gary Carter. <laughs> you will see some Gary Carters. And, uh, you know, and I just, uh, I don't know if it's really showing off cards, but I like to think that I le I'm learning a lot, uh, especially on the graded side and uh, through people like you and, and other people. I, I want to try to uh, get that across in my channel a little bit. And that's, that's kind of how I'm doing it. And, you know, a lot of people do channels where, Hey, I'm learning this and this, but with me, I'm, you know, this is what I learned and maybe it does help somebody if not, but, uh, and also sometimes I think I have some, uh, some interesting thoughts and unique thoughts on a hobby as well. So. Yeah, I appreciate the channel. I like it because uh, you do a variety of things like many of us do on YouTube. You'll occasionally break something. You'll do your PSA or SGC, whatever the grading submissions. You'll do those reveals. You'll do some mail days. You just did a fantastic video on your card room, which we'll get into a little, little later. We can chat about that a little more. But doing a nice variety, and I've really enjoyed your kind of let's talk and just chatting about the hobby, providing some thoughts, because uh, it's it's enjoyable to kind of connect with people and listen and get other people's perspectives on the hobby and not it all being geared towards you should buy this, you should do this, you should do that, this is the thing to do, kind of more so finding ways to enjoy and connect to the hobby, which I I think is super important, and I think it's something that is somewhat neglected uh right now um with the hobby growing the way it is is a lot of focus on the value um and value in this hobby is important because it's certainly an expensive hobby but if that's the only reason you're in the game you're probably not getting as much enjoyment as you should you're probably going to feel a little more stressed than you'd like to and i don't know how well or how much you'll end up eventually getting out of the hobby because you know this ebb and flows with the hobby uh real quick just wanted to uh touch on you had mentioned uh when you were talking about your history you said something about uh, you didn't really bring baseball cards to school or whatever i think that's what you said right. and it triggered uh, a thought in my head because i i actually f forgot about this i was collecting cards you know back in grade school and i don't even remember how it came up or how it happened but i do remember at one point 
bringing extra cards to school, like extra duplicates and selling some in school. Right. And we're talking for like a dime and a quarter. Right. I remember a kid uh, bought a Ricky Henderson 1990 Fleer card from me for a quarter. And he bent it up, put it in his pocket, destroyed the card, decided he wanted to buy a soft pretzel for a quarter. So he demanded to return it. And I was like, you destroyed that card. You ruined it. Like, I'm not giving you your quarter back. And he went and told the teacher on me. And then I got in trouble and had to go home with a note to say I was not permitted to sell baseball cards in school. So I guess I've been involved in that aspect of the hobby to some degree uh, longer than I realized. Right. <laughs> you were selling your dollar cards at school, huh? I guess. <laughs> For a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. That's see, I, I wish I could have those. I, I did not have that moment. My school was not like, first off, it wasn't a big school. Um, but my, my house was, I mean, there were all the guys in the neighborhood collected. So there was a lot of, a lot of afternoons where people had their cards at my house and we're doing, you know, I guess we were doing card shows before there was a card show that knew what, what it was, but so. Yeah, I was, uh, I don't remember like collecting a ton with friends, but you know, I got started. Uh, much like you did with my dad buying me some stuff and kind of collecting with him. And then uh, I was one of five boys growing up. So I I was by far the one into it the most, but others all went through little eras of it. So we'd all, you know, be collecting stuff. And I, I, you know, I definitely remember having never like played with like the really good cards, but I do remember uh, having like, I guess, beat up commons and putting up like, making up fake starting lineups with my brother. We would like right. set him out on the floor and do batting orders and line him up that way and doing stuff like that. And we actually, uh, as kids, I remember we used to play baseball card show too. We'd have like all the unopened or the, we'd save like the open wax boxes and go right. set up on like the different beds. We'd set up, you know, go to each other's bedroom as if you're going to a different area of a card show or something. So, that's the thing about the hobby. It can connect you to family and friends and memories. And that to me is what makes it special about collecting what you like, who you like. Uh, if you're collecting, you know, it's always fun to collect the up and coming players and I guess to um, prospect to a degree and not necessarily collecting an 18 year old in single A, but you know, a young guy on the team you like, you know, kind of picking up some cards, enjoying kind of with that mystery of how things will turn out. But Right. You know, one of the great joys is collecting players you grew up watching, players you respect at watching, uh, and that you have a lot of memories of watching with other people, watching live, watching, you know, on TV, listening, following that career. And I know uh, for you, you got that uh, awesome Gary Carter personal collection. You're working on the uh, set registry. You've got some autographs, uh, a lot of awesome Gary Carter stuff. Yeah, I, uh, Gary Carter was kind of, you know, my idol, my sports idol, I should say. Uh, it was so bad that I tried to get a perm, uh, get curly hair, because <laughs> I was catcher and I wanted the curls to pop out from underneath my helmet. And uh, my mom put a big stop to that one. Um, thank goodness. And, uh, you know, things like that. I, I my dad called him the pretty boy, so I had all my gloves just right and all my uh, 
my wristbands, everything. <laughs> I had my socks perfectly above my calf. Everything that he would do, I would do. I just couldn't wear eight because I was too big. You know how the numbers in Little League, the lower numbers are the smaller numbers. <laughs> so I was all like 19 or something like that because I was one of the bigger. That's how the big Scott came about. So I was one of the bigger guys. So I never could wear eight. How Maybe close eight. are you on the uh, set registry? Well, I have the complete uh, base, uh, the basic like 19, where it's not even all-star cars. It's just the base cards. I completed that one. Now I'm working on the uh, the master tops. But uh, now I'm getting kind of stuck on some things with that. And uh, I have quite a bit out right now because uh, that includes all the stickers. You remember the sticker books from the 80s? <laughs> I, I don't know how old you are, but uh, the 80s with those. With I was the born in books. 82. Right. So. The sticker books that came out in the 80s. Now, the stickers are in that set registry. So I've been hunting those down. And um, that's been fun. <laughs> because here I'm getting a 50-cent sticker and sending it in to get graded. Yeah, I'm that guy. So, I mean, we all play a role in creating the backlogs, you know. Some people yeah. send in Gary Carter stickers. Other people send in, you know, base well, release Mark- cards. You know, we all we all do our do our uh don't get mad at me they did the registry not me so (laughs) Um, registry is definitely fun even just as a checklist like alone and then if you can fill it out and kind of get involved it's definitely something that can can definitely get you addicted i know a lot of people who uh who get big time into that probably one of them is the reason why i got into it but uh, off of YouTube was the first channel I got it. I started watching was a baseball collector, Mike, and that's how I got into your channel. And uh, so, yeah, watching him and some of the you know, Bart PSA guy and things like that. Um, yeah, it got me. I started looking up the registry and I was like, wow, look at this checklist. And it's been fun because uh, I really like food and beverage cards anyway. And it's really put me any even deeper into regional areas of the country that I didn't even know that existed. I mean, I know the regions existed, but the the cards in different regions, like I didn't know Slurpee or Seven Eleven had different discs for different regions of the country, things like that. And, and it's always learning. So that was that you know that type of thing has been really fun with it. Yeah, I love that stuff, like the oddball stuff where you feel like you're finding something new you've never seen before and you're like, wow, right. like I thought I had or was just just had about, you know, everything I could for this player or team and then you find something seemingly new, obviously not new, but new to you is always uh pretty cool. Right. Do you have the uh any of the Gary Carter starting lineup cards? Yeah, um I actually have a few starting lineups. I have some of the starting lineup cards. Um uh, I my starting lineups I have are loose and the cards are loose. Um, I don't. I got like two of them. I think. Um, I was. Just, I used to I, really collect that stuff. Yeah, I was a huge starting lineup guy back in the day, and um, yeah, I still like them. But obviously, right. everything takes up space. I, I have the majority of the Phillies, not all of them, 
probably be right. a project for one of these days to go through and actually take an inventory and then be like, all right, which ones do I actually need? Because most of them should be pretty affordable. Right. But uh, I definitely have gone through phases where I start looking up the starting lineup cards because they're they can be kind of challenging, especially those ones from like 88, 89, 90 can be kind of challenging right. to find cards in higher grades. So sometimes they're fun to send in. Cause it's one of those things. I'm like, I just want this for the collection. So if it gets an eight, I'm happy, but Hey, if I could pull off a nine or a 10, that'd be super sweet. So, well, that's, uh, that they're in the master set. Now the master set is pretty big and, you know, I just pick up cards for that just for fun, but, that's probably something that you'll never be able to complete because there are certain cards I can't, I've never even seen before online anywhere. Yeah. It's so. like, if you sign up for the uh, top 300 set, it's like, you're never going to complete it unless you're, you know, Jeff Bezos or something and you're <laughs> ruling the world. Like there's literally some cards on that that are impossible to find. And if you do find it, you're going to need uh to have to choose do you want the card or do you want a house you know so, right do you have well, a do you have a favorite yeah. carter card from like his playing days like from this baseline yeah i mean um uh i believe it's like the 77 um card is like when he's just kind of just standing there but uh i want to say like i think it's 83 where he's like chasing down a foul ball in his gear um I probably getting those years wrong without having the cards in front of me. Um, I really like those. I really like catching all all catchers like in their gear. Um, I uh, I love it. The tools of ignorance are great. Um, I love the field field generals. Like I, the field general um, set that was in I believe what Allen and Ginter this year. Yeah, um, correctly. I. Yeah, so I collected that insert set, and uh, I'm not a set guy. I think you, I'm echoing something you said not too long ago, um, but I did that set, <laughs> and also did a monster set for some reason or for that one. But uh, yeah, I, I really like cards with their gear on. I think it was one of your, well, it was definitely one of your videos, uh, but you were showing off one of the cards you got in. I think it was 1980. Tops where he's like swiping a tag and i remember yes. being like dude that card's so awesome and i remember looking it up yeah. like trying to buy one and i was like oh man i gotta get one of these one of these days i was like maybe i'll just get one raw and send it in myself because you know it's not a high pop card so even like nines and tens were pretty pricey but i was like damn that's a damn sweet looking card and, and that was a tops picture of a catcher where you got to see his face and not his butt so I think there's a Phillies catcher card out there that they painted from tops now this year that they. Oh, yeah, that's so bad. The Andrew Knapp <laughs> yeah. ass card. Yeah. I remember when I clicked because I always like that's something I look forward to during the season when I'm like, oh, they might get a card. And I always look it up and I pick up one of each uh, just for my Phillies binder. And right. I remember I clicked on it. I was like, it took me a second. I'm like, I'm like, this is the card. Like, how. This is the photograph they chose. Like, what? What? Who is in charge of this? You can't tell right. me they didn't have another photograph right. they could use. It's so bad. It looks like a Dansby Swanson card. Like, it's so <laughs> weird. And I almost bought it because actually, uh, I have a soft spot for Dansby Swanson. He, 
I, uh, I live in Iowa, but I'm from Virginia and I love the university of Virginia and, uh, Dansby Swanson played for Vanderbilt that played Virginia in the college world series two years in a row, beat them once lost once. So Virginia won one year, Vanderbilt won one year. And, uh, I just thought he was awesome at shortstop. So I would have, I almost got that card because <laughs> it looks like a Dansby Swanson card. I love uh, tops now, by the way, it's, yeah, it's definitely a premium product for collectors and a poor product for investors. If you're looking right. to buy cards and flip them, good luck with Tops Now. If you're a team or player collector, it's super awesome to be able to be like, this guy had a walk-off home run tonight. I'll be able to order a card tomorrow, and within a week to two weeks, I'll have that in my collection. I, I think Tops Now is um, was a genius product put out by Tops, And right. I mean, the print runs are generally, unless it's like a hot rookie pretty low i mean two three hundred yep so you can get it whether it's through tops or through a third party early on you can get it pretty cheap but eventually some of them dry up and it's one of those it's like you know you might have to look for a year to find some cards sometimes and you're not going to find them on at a show or anything like that I, i very rarely run into them but yeah i always look i look almost every day um for my, my PC guys or anything that strikes my fancy. So for just collecting. Yeah. I remember the, uh, the national a couple years ago, I was looking for something. I was looking, there was some Phillies card. I needed. Like I looked, I was like, I didn't see virtually any tops. Now there was someone had a few of someone who was a hot rookie, but like you just don't see them around. It's one of those kind of things, you know, it's kind of eBay or nothing. Uh, that's really your only opportunity. Right. Um, I'm sure there's a few other sites out there, of course, where you can look around. But it's, well, you got to uh, think most people buy those cars are like us that are buying them for their PC. So yeah, exactly. It's so. but I think it's cool to uh, you know it's a cool avenue to have something to collect. Uh, real quick, uh, one last thing about Gary Carter. Um, mm-hmm. Do you? Uh, do you know who made the last out on August 15th, 1990? Giants, Phillies, no-hitter, Terry Mulholland. I'm sure, you know. Well, I guess it was Gary Carter yeah. when he was with the Giants. Gary Carter. I, I've been <laughs> I'm joking around with people who uh, – right. I think it was someone else who was a Gary Carter collector uh, on YouTube, and I remember it just being like posting a comment, and then I kind of felt like a jerk, even though I was kidding, but I was like, sometimes you can't tell in the joke. I was like, my favorite Gary Carter moment was uh, when he hit a line drive to Charlie Hayes to uh, complete the no-hitter for Terry Mulholland uh, back in 90. Uh, I was at that game, but uh, no, Gary Carter's a fun player, obviously an awesome player. You know, unfortunately left us too soon, but, uh, you know, Obviously, yeah. yeah, fantastic Hall of Fame career. So it's awesome that he left uh, such a strong legacy and, you know, strong collectability and obviously a lot of memories for baseball fans out there. Right. If you want to, if anybody interested in seeing a cool moment of him was on Baseball Bunch with Johnny Bench when he was going over, you know, some catching stuff, it, it was really good. That that might have been the moment when I started liking it because I would love Baseball Bunch. Uh Saturday mornings. You, you might be a little too young for that, but with Johnny Bench and the San Diego Chicken. There's Still showing a, on YouTube. 
<laughs> There's so much awesome stuff to watch on YouTube besides just uh, obviously fun baseball yeah. content, which I recommend you checking out. But man, you can watch like old baseball games, old episodes of baseball shows, old home run derbies. Like there are I times in, during the winter the time where I'm like, I'm like, man, we're like, because I'm like kind of a baseball football guy. So once football's done, I'm like done with sports until baseball comes on and it'll be you know, you have a little downtime. I'm like, damn, like I really want the season to get here. And I'll just pop on like random Phillies games from the nineties or two thousands. Or I remember, uh, during early on in the pandemic, uh, MLB network was playing old all-star games. And I'd just be sitting there watching like an all-star game from 1996 or 1991 or whatever. And I'd just be like, damn, this is, this is kind of nice, uh, throwback in time seeing like Kirby Puckett and Tony Gwynn and, Barry Bonds and all these guys kind of in their prime uh, playing. Right. So there's a lot of fun stuff to check out on YouTube and that can kind of play a role in your collecting and you get ideas too, to collect a little bit and be like, Oh wow. And it can f- make you feel connected to even some of the vintage guys. Well, I don't collect vintage. I do collect Roberto Clemente for that reason that you're talking about is I love his story and uh, just kind of fell in love with the story of Roberto Clemente and then learning how he played the game and outside the game. So, you know, I make a connection with somebody that's kind of the way it goes. I uh, start collecting them. So yeah. that's that, you saying that just hit it, hit home with me with the Roberto Clemente. So, yeah, I love following like a lot of the, uh, you know, Hall of Famers and stuff and just watching old videos. I, I got to watch a video. Someone sent me one about, uh, I can't even remember who it was now offhand, but I was like, oh, I got to check that out. It's just right. fun, fun to watch because we all have, you know, our favorite teams and such. And, you know, we can all get along, even though right. some people are Mets fans, some people are Phillies fans, kind of natural rivals, but uh, we can appreciate each other's collections. So how about the uh, Mets collection? Uh, can't get enough uh, because of you. I started the flagship uh, run. <laughs> I saw your video on that uh, uh, last year when you showed that off, I believe the binders. So I was like, man, that's a great idea. So I kind of started putting it together thinking I had a lot more already than I had. So now I started that rabbit hole going down and uh, so that's been fun here lately. And I have been selling cards to pick up that because the, in the sixties, the short prints, man, they're, they're tough and they're expensive. So yeah. When you get started on that project, you're kind of like, and especially for the Mets, cause they don't go all the way back. So you kind of right. get to cheat a little bit. You don't have to go back to like 53 or 50, right. you know, some 52. Um, but it's like, you sit there and think you're like, ah, that's not that many sets. And then you start to realize, well, you know, 70 sets comes it adds up, especially when you're not really expecting, some of the short prints are definitely very tough to come by. And when you do come by them, they're a little more pricey than you would expect because they're not necessarily big names. It's like, you know, if you're right. buying a Tom Seaver rookie, you kind of know what you're getting into. But when you're buying right. a guy who played catcher for two years and you're like, oh, it costs this much, that's when you right. have to be like, let me look for one that's a little more beat up than that. But right. it's definitely well, I just, fun. The, the right. ulti- I decided to call it the ultimate tops team set. Um and, you know, I, I think it's fun and it's cool when I see other people who, 
you know, have mentioned that they decided to do the same thing. And for me, like I got started, I was gung ho on it. And then I remember I was like, Oh, this cost a lot. I took a little bit of a break and then I would pick some up here and there. But once you complete it, it's definitely something special to be able to roll through. Like that's something I've rolled through like every spring training. And then at some point during the season, it's, uh, it's fun to go through it and look at it. Right. I just, well, I feel like I'm so accomplished because I just finished the 64 run. Um, just the other day I got a, my last card and then for that, and I'm just, I was just a sack. I'm missing like one from 63 and three from 62. And then, you know, when I get to Tom Seaver and Nolan Ryan rookies, I got to figure out what to do about those. That might be a picture, <laughs> a picture, put in a book for a while, but I know, uh, <laughs> I held off on like Mike Schmidt for a while. And then I eventually found one that was like beat the hell. And I, right. I, bid on it on ebay and i bought it um because i was like i don't want to get one of the high grade ones just for the binder so i bought a beat up one and uh you know i've since picked up a you know a higher quality condition one uh slabbed for the collection but well mike schmidt's on my list of slabs to get because i'm he's one of those players from the 70s and 80s that is iconic for me uh i love mike schmidt so I, I, I'm a, as a Mets guy, I can love a Phillies guy, right? Is that okay? Sure. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, the Phillies and Mets, you know, they, they're rivals, division rivals. And being in this area, like Phillies, Mets, I mean, those two fan bases travel back and forth to the stadiums. Pretty easy day trip. Right. But for the most part, they've honestly never really been good at the same time that often. 07, 08, they were. The Phillies ended up edging them out for the division. But really, they kind of take turns. Um, you know, 80, 86, the Phillies were not very good. Right. So, and then the Phillies got all the Mets players and were pretty good. They got Dykstra. And- that that definitely was a trade that worked out in the Phillies' favor. Juan Samuel <laughs> for Lenny Dykstra, and they got uh, Roger McDowell as well in that deal. Um, well, the the Mets the Mets and trades are not. I, I'm I don't know if you listen to me, but I, I collect a couple of uh, I, I collect Justin Dunn and uh, Klelinik for the Mariners, just because I think that was the stupidest trade the Mets have ever done. What was, what was the Kellenic one? Cause I remember I listened to, well, not as much lately, yeah. but I've always listened to a lot of uh, New York sports radio. Right. I like a lot of the hosts. So I hear a lot of Mets and Yankees talk. I'm trying to, I remember they were ticked off. What was the Kellenic right. trade? So Kellenic and Justin Dunn for Edwin Diaz, who came uh, Diaz, two days yeah. in a row. I remember the Phillies were involved Robbie in Cano. those talks. So thankfully the Mets, you know, took charge yeah. and picked up. Well, it was because this Robinson Cano's ex-agent was the GM. Yeah. Come on. I mean, it was – and the Mariners are laughing the whole time. Come on. It was just ridiculous. Well, <laughs> Robinson Cano did do you a favor this year, failed a drug test. Yes. Suspended for the year, forfeited his salary for the year. So, hey, I mean, not that the Mets are really – they're probably in the best position of anyone yeah. for free agency this year because you have a new owner who I believe is now the richest owner in baseball who's right. an actual fan of the team as opposed to just a business venture and right. he's not coming off a year of getting hammered with like a hundred million dollars in losses like Philly's ownerships crying about their uh big loss right. which I understand 
no one wants to lose $145 million, but, you know, I never heard them complaining or mentioning much, you know, when they're racking in $100 million profit every year, you know, charging everyone $25 to park, $6 for a hot dog, you know, all that stuff. So I have, I'm, I don't really care to hear their, uh, crying about it, but, uh, maybe that's just me going into a bitter off season where I have very low expectations and I, I could see one of our high price guys ending up, uh, with your squad, but we'll see. Well, the Mets are talking about how they want two of the big four that's out there right now. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. You never know going into the offseason. I would be kind of shocked if they're not someone to land two of those because I do think they'll be aggressive. And I don't know how much competition they'll have. I don't think there's a lot of teams in a big-time position to make – the major moves. I know Toronto has been mentioned as a team that might make a play for one of these guys. Cause they feel like they're on the cusp and they have a lot of young players, right. which means they're not only getting good, but they have a lot of guys that are controllable who won't make much right. money. So now's the time to strike perhaps for Toronto. Yeah. Cause they're going to next year, year after, well, we got to see what happens with at the end of the year when they do a lockout, whatever, whatever happens when they have a stoppage in play, hopefully they fix that. Yeah, I would hope it's going to be a complicated issue because obviously last year wasn't your typical season, and I, I don't. It's all know, going to be about player control. I don't know about this year. Like, I don't know what to expect. I know there's, it, there's still a lot of unknown. As much as people like to think, you know, and maybe we're headed in the right direction. We we just we honestly don't know. We don't know if all teams or some teams might be able to have some fans, no fans, full fans. Whether the season will start on time, I mean, February spring training is not that far off, so we'll kind of, uh, we'll see. That's a topic, I guess, for another day. I definitely (laughs) like to avoid thinking about a potential uh, lockout strike, whatever might happen, but it is, uh, you know, it's, it's got potential. It would be horrible if they did. Hopefully they will work something out, because that would obviously be uh, something baseball could not afford. I mean, no. the owners like to complain about losing money this year, and they were going to without having fans, but they would have been in a lot worse position if they forfeited a season this year. So, Well, I know they saved a lot of money by only having 60 games and having that huge playoff. So I know they made a lot of money off of that, too. So. No doubt about that. <laughs> yeah. They were talking about how the Orioles saved money. Like it was a blessing in disguise only having sixty games because they didn't have to pay Chris Davis. <laughs> Saves some major money for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, the YouTube channel, obviously a lot of fun. You have an opportunity to do a lot of things, kind of show off your collection to people or sh- showcase your collection, I should say. Um, right. You know, kind of connect with other collectors. And a video you recently did definitely one of the types of videos that's very popular on youtube specifically among like old school style youtube channels obviously now there's a lot of channels popping up um with kind of professional money behind them with teams of people producing them a lot of flashy intros and um you know oh higher quality uh camera work and all kinds of editing that you know is nice but not necessary but the old school type of videos one of the favorites is always showing off card rooms and uh you showed off a pretty impressive card room um 
huge room, awesome setup, a lot of layers to it, uh, stuff on the wall, bunch of different shelves kind of displayed in different ways. You have the Gary Carter area, you have the, uh, some autographs and rookies and all kinds of stuff showed off. So how about that card room there? Oh yeah. Uh, well, um, I, like I said, to mention in the video, when I, I've only been living in this house going on, uh, four years. So when I was looking for a house, I wanted an area for our card room and my realtor, I don't think quite understood, um, what, what, what kind of type of, uh, stuff I had. And, uh, you know, I've been collecting a long time, stop here and there, always had one toe in, um, but I wasn't expecting to have anything this size. So it's been fun. Um, this was going to be my game room. I flipped things around and made my game room into another room. But uh, this has been really, really fun. And um, always adding, always subtracting. Uh, also, I have a link in that video as well where I show like the shelving more in depth, like the Met stuff and other stuff I have on that shelving. So um, I'm planning on doing more videos on some of the stuff that it, I just kind of glanced over. Um, Cause I, I love autographs, but I don't like autographs just on cards. I like jerseys, helmets, baseballs, um, hockey pucks, which I didn't really mention. Um, you know, all types of stuff or out of the ordinary, ordinary, whatever. Yeah, I've always been an autograph collector, um, you know, Phillies charity events and just growing up, you know, one of my first games kind of going and trying to get the first autograph I got at a game was Dickie Thon, um, who was with the Phillies in the early 90s, you know, had, had himself a pretty good career overall. Uh, and then, you know, just had a lot of fun acquiring autographs as a kid. Now I'm kind of at the age where it's like, obviously 2020 is kind of a wacky year. I will do some TTM, but I don't really like chasing autographs. I just, I'm like at that weird age where I just, I don't know. I'm definitely not going to reach over a kid to get an autograph for myself. I'm not going to crush the kid into the, uh, into the fence and break his (laughs) ribs. So I get an autograph and he doesn't. So I don't really, uh, chase autographs too much, but with the card hobby, I do like, uh, picking up a lot of autograph cards and all the amazing designs, but I have a lot of stuff. Um, from over the years, like autographed bats and jerseys and stuff, but I've always kind of collected like who I want and, you know, focused on Phillies, you know, some other hall of famers from time to time as card shows, but it's just another extension. You know, we talk about baseball cards and the baseball card hobby, but that, you know, an extension of that is the sports card or sports memorabilia and autograph hobby, which is, you know, at times probably been a little more popular than cards. Obviously right now I'd say cards have probably, I mean, they're both up and elevated, but it's definitely fun to uh, collect all that stuff. And like you said about the, you know, you mentioned in the video, one of the parts that kind of uh, caught my attention and kind of touched me was, you know, you had areas of that room dedicated to family. Um, You showed off the David Wright uh, blanket from your grandmother and the bat that you had as a kid. And, you know, I, I, I definitely could appreciate that and kind of, you know, having, it's not just a room full of, you know, some people would be like, that's a room full of junk, you know, someone who doesn't know anything about cards, but right. you know, it all has different meanings to you and stuff. Cause like, I, I have similar stuff. I have an old Von Hayes bat. Um, you know, I think it was originally like a giveaway game giveaway, but the Phillies would always sell that stuff in the off season extras. 
and uh, an aunt of mine gave me one and we played with it uh, myself and my brothers for years in the yard it's got you know some dents in it because maybe a few times we're stupid and picked up a rock and hit it with it or something but right we would use like tennis balls and play in the yard and stuff and i still got that uh you know in the corner some cool stuff like that so yeah they uh most of my helmets that i showed i bet you most of those came from the first two nationals i went to um kind of stopped doing that or rather spend my money in other areas but uh i just love meeting the players so that that's where most of that stuff came from yeah it's definitely fun the thing with getting like memorabilia signed i've always found kind of annoying like at a national it's i mean a baseball is pretty easy toss it in a box it's easy to travel with and cards are obviously very easy as well it's like some of the big stuff's awesome but it's like if the nationals in Chicago and you know, I got to fly in from somewhere. It's that's tough. Uh, that's one of the advantages. One of the things I was looking forward to with New Jersey this year, which, you know, unfortunately did not happen. We should get another opportunity in 2022, I believe taking over for Cleveland. Yeah. But cause I can think, I know, uh, gosh, at some of the Phillies, uh, charity events, raising money for ALS, Got Jim Tomey on a bat one year. Um, Jimmy Rollins on a game used base from one of his games of his hitting streak. Oh, that'd that be thing. awesome. And that's like the full base. Now they sell like the top of the base, but back, right. you know, 10, 15 years ago, they sold uh, like the full base, like the whole metal plate. I think it was heavy to look around and hold it right. for two hours. So there's the pain and agony of acquiring the autograph, but then there's that's a true. lifetime of enjoying, you know, the signature well, on that piece of memorabilia after that i could tell you when i go to the national i basically pack my clothes in my backpack and i have an empty bag that's how i go to the national the first few times because i knew i was going for a lot of autographs yeah i didn't really know what i was walking into the first time but you know. no it's definitely an overwhelming experience how many uh nationals have you gone to uh, three in Chicago and one in Cleveland. So four out of the last five, I did not go to, uh, AC. I, you know, I lived in Virginia. I've been to Atlantic city a few times with friends, just not a big Atlantic city fan. And, uh, coming from Iowa, it's not easy to get to. Yeah, so. I guess the easiest path would be to fly into Philadelphia and then you have to right. take either the train, rent a car or get a ride. Right. And my, my dad said about flying home and cause he kind of wants to go to one just to see, uh, what I'm talking about. He's not a collector at all, but he like, he's a history guy and a baseball guy. So we go to the CSA up in uh, Chantilly, Virginia, which is it's a big show three times a year. Yeah. I have not made my way there, but I've heard about it's it for right. years. I think the same promoter runs the, uh, Philly show. Oh, okay. I think it's, it's like uh, a four hour, four or five hour drive from here for me um oh really at some point i would definitely like to uh like to do that show uh maybe when times you know a little more normalized but right that would definitely be uh a fun show to go to because from what it, i understand it's actually a little bigger than the philly show it is it's i'm not so huge because after going to the uh national because the last chicago national where they had to take out part of the wall and they expanded it and all that too over to the carpeted area but uh the the CSA is is pretty the Chantilly show is pretty big, 
lot of signers. There's, you know, it's the uh, same group doing the signing stuff. and um, But you don't get, like, PSA there and stuff like that. Uh, last time I went, it was JSA was there doing autograph stuff. And they had no curtains up or nothing. You can watch them authenticate stuff. You can stand right there and watch them do it. Interesting experience, but yeah, the card shows the Nationals just a ton of fun um, for so many reasons. Right, you know, just so much to see. Even if someone's not a card collector, but if they have an appreciation for sports and you know history, I mean, just take a walk through the auction houses displays. I mean, you can just, you feel like you're in Cooperstown at the Hall of Fame, just walking around looking at some of this memorabilia. It's it's a pretty awesome experience. Definitely missed out on it this year. Chicago is the best setup overall, in my opinion, with the location of the hotels and the show. But I really did like Cleveland. I like I the spaciousness too. of that uh, that setup. It's, it's a shame that it won't uh, be taking place anymore. Yeah, I like Cleveland. It was big, it was a lot of seating, better food. Chicago is that tourist trap, but it, everything's there. Um, you know. When I was in Cleveland, I actually stayed in a hotel where y'all did the infamous long live stream thing was there. Oh, y'all. I was upstairs, didn't know what was going on um, or when it came down. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was – I like Cleveland. I was a little upset they canceled that one. But I'll probably go to the next AC just because it's – it is – because I was making plans maybe to go, but uh, now – uh, I probably will. It feels like the more and more you get invested in this hobby and in the community on social media, it's like you almost feel like you have to go. <laughs> like that's yeah. what I am. I'm like, I want to go anyway, but I'm like, oh, I'm sitting there like planning things out. I know the last time it was in Atlantic City, like that was that was a tough week for me. I was obviously excited to go, and that was the first one I went to in a while. But I was like, I remember I had. I think two weddings to go to and like a bachelor party or something ridiculous over the course of a few days. Right. So I think I like, I think you would I say went, two weddings and a funeral of in a movie, right? Yeah. I, I think I had, a, I can't even remember. I like, I remember like, I remember going out to the show one day and it was like back and forth, but it was like different parts of New Jersey. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like driving, you know, an hour and a half to the national and back. And then like, I had to go right somewhere else, like the other coast. Yeah. It was ridiculous. I think at the end of it, like I was actually going up to Northern Pennsylvania to help my brother with a project or something. <laughs> like it was, I was so worn out by the end of it. I was like, Oh man, I would love to have spent more time at the national, but this right. year I had been planning on doing a little bit of back and forth and a little, maybe staying for a night or two, just because obviously so many people are going to be there, you know, right. the post national hangouts, you know, are, they're like must do, you know, if you have any involvement with people in the community, it's just, you're there hanging out with like-minded people talking about the hobby, just laughing, having a good time. It's, it's amazing. Well, I, at Chicago, I did show up to the one, one night. And, uh, you know, said hi to a few people. And I spoke to you for about two minutes. And I kind of took, I, I was up for like 36 hours straight um, with my job. I, were, I was working nights at the time. So I got up, got off of work that morning and flew out there. And I was still up. It was a long day. 
yeah, I've definitely had some uh, moments at nationals where I was on like absolute fumes, like no sleep, and you're on well, your feet my, all day, and it's like, I'm, I think like, there've been times where I've man. talked to people, and I'm like, hey, if I'm making no sense, I apologize. Like I'm so exhausted, you wouldn't <laughs> believe. Yeah, my plan was to take a nap, and then you know, and you know, it's just going on across the street, so hey, that plan always dies quickly. So, well, especially when you go like year after year, it's like you want to savor every moment of it. It's kind of like, cool. I got my two hours sleep. I want to get to the show as early as possible. I want to take every moment I can at the show. Maybe you take a break for lunch or whatever. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're like, Oh, I want to go out and hang out with everyone. Well, I, I, I got my hotel reservation today just to let you know. So I am, I am hoping beyond hope it happens. Yeah. We will. We will see how things develop. I do know. Uh, Two hotels are already booked up. So. I, I did hear that. I know uh, my buddy Dave, Dave's midlife card crisis. He uh, was already messaging me being like, like, yo, I'm booking the hotel. So I should yeah. uh, should be set as long as everything rolls I, out the I, way. You know, we hope it will. I have, uh, well, tentatively a first timer going with me. So that should be exciting just to see, see his reaction. So, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's awesome. Like when you can't explain it it to people. Yeah. It's like, I tell people all the time, like until you go, you won't understand. Like it's super fun to watch people's videos. Like there've been ones I didn't go to that. I was watching people's videos and seeing like their little collabs and them showing off the, uh, show. And it's fun as hell to watch those, but it's like a whole nother animal to be there and when you're hanging out with people and just kind of connecting and some people you like sort of know, but you get to know better other people, you know, very well. And it's kind of like a family reunion, seeing them every year, catching up a little bit. It's just, you like fall into that. Like you feel like, you know, people forever. And it's like, even though you might not talk very often, you've watched each other's videos for years. So you feel super right. connected. So it's, it's, Definitely uh, an incredible experience that uh, I certainly recommend people checking out, you know, as long as it's uh, as long as you can afford to do it and, you know, find some time. Um, right. Super worth doing for sure. Yeah, it's one of those if you're in the hobby, um, it's at least a one time. The only problem is you go once you're going to be addicted. That is the problem. <laughs> I was making amazing progress on my, you know, tour across America, seeing baseball stadiums. Right. Got down the last few and like now the last couple of years, well, this year I didn't do any obviously, but like the year before, like I was like, it's like, well, I can't not go to the national and this other trip I was going to do, uh, it just doesn't work. I guess I'll have to put it off. Right. But the national ends up becoming a uh, priority because it's just such, such a blast. And you know, when it's only once a year and look, now we've learned it's not guaranteed not that we right. didn't know that, but you definitely want to take the opportunity to do it whenever you can because it's just so fun and that's what the hobby is supposed to be about. You know, obviously, you know, money's yeah, important. I, You're spending a lot of money, but it's all about that fun, that experience of collecting and enjoying the company of fellow collectors. I got a quick question for you on that subject. Now, the next one being in Chicago, do you think it's going to be bigger than the last show that was in Chicago because it was off a year? I mean, I don't know how many, uh, obviously I'm sure there'll be plenty of people applying for tables. I got to assume there's some people who get turned away. 
I don't know how much space they can fit, but obviously I'm sure it always grows a little bit, but I would think the attendance would, you know, if everything's somewhat normal, I would think the attendance will continue to rise because I feel like it's gotten bigger and bigger year after year. And I think social media, and obviously we uh, delve in the YouTube realm a lot, but Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, like people are talking about the national more than ever. So I think it's just continued to grow and grow. And that's one of the reasons years ago it would be in Baltimore. And Baltimore's convention center is just too old, too small, breaks too many kind of fire codes. And that's why that kind of fell by the wayside. So... I don't know. I feel like the national is getting so big that they're going to have to expand to some bigger areas potentially in the future. The rumor was if it had more like last year, that Saturday with so many people that they might have to, they wouldn't be allowed to just let everybody in at certain points. And that would be rough, you know, having to wait to get in for the opportunity to, I mean, last year I was there for days and I think there were tables I barely saw. Right. I got my VIP uh, thing too. Just think, you know, well, yeah, I get that just so I have a place to sit down. So that's worth that. Well, that's money. necessary in Chicago because if you want to sit yeah. down, you know, good luck. Right. You're going to find a nice soft piece of concrete floor somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So. There's not a lot of area. Cleveland, yeah. ton of area to sit, ton of area to just kind of hang out and do different stuff right. like away from the crowd. But. Chicago's tough. I think like just to do like little video pieces, if you wanted to do it around the show place, you like it was it was tough to find a spot to effectively do that. Yeah, because Saturday was packed. Saturday afternoon, I thought it was. So. Yeah, because you have you, you have so many people traveling, but you also have all the locals. And somewhere like Chicago, you got people coming in from Indiana, right. Chicago, Wisconsin. Um, you know, all those areas, the same thing when it's in New Jersey. I mean, there's not, you know, I'm sure there's a few people who live in Atlantic city going to the show, but for the most part, it's people driving in from New York and Philadelphia, um, right. you know, people coming in from Baltimore and Virginia, all those areas. Like that's why those central locations are important. I would think maybe somewhere like Texas potentially in the future could get a spot. I would think, um, but I don't know. We'll see. I know the West Coast is craving for it too, but I think it's so many East Coast dealers. Yeah, I think that's tough. I don't know what um how things work with like costs and taxes and stuff with like say California, but you know somewhere on the West Coast, I know those guys are craving it. But we'll see. Back in the day, they definitely had them, but I haven't seen uh, kind of too much chatter about that. Right. But I would think they would look for a third venue. I would assume. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong, but I, I think it would be in their best interest. I mean, you know, I guess people will travel. I know being in one place, I don't think would it would lose its luster. I think, but I'm not one to say. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I'd like to see it in different areas just to have somewhere different to travel a little bit. Exactly. But I mean, I get the like. I love when it's in Atlantic City because. It's like an hour and a half drive, but I understand why it's a pain because there's not very many direct flights to Atlantic City. Um, And, you know, to have to travel a distance and then travel another 45 minutes, you know, from Philadelphia or New York, hour from New York is kind of rough. Um, Definitely not ideal. So we'll, we'll see what the future holds. 
I'll just be happy if we have a complete national in 2021. It would be something that would be uh, pretty incredible to enjoy. Definitely would look forward to hanging out with everyone. But yeah. the hobby's been crazy this year. We'll see if the hobby is more normal by then. Probably not, but we'll see. Um, the wax, uh, the wax world's crazy right now. Retail wax, tough to find. Great well, is out of control. No one can, no one's getting their cards back. So it's just. Hey, would, would blow up like set up their table and have armed guards at it like what because <laughs> the wax is so expensive like how it, i wouldn't love to see how that was going to that's what i wanted to see was how they were going to set up their tables because you know in back past, in the day you'd be buying like five dollar blasters eight dollar yeah. blasters now it's like everything would be like 50 bucks and it's no way that tops could, and panini could do you buy a box and get this pack of cards deal what would they have done like, you know, because you had to sell it at, at SRP to get the companies to get it. So I, I wanted to see all that, how it worked. But, you know, I guess we'll see next year. I wonder year. what happened. They had to have had stuff printed up for the national. Maybe not. Yeah. I, I don't. I'm waiting I, for like the national 2020 national exclusive, you know, 582 Montgomery Club exclusive packs. <laughs> to go on sale for like 50 bucks a piece on tops.com and here's your lottery to get into it but you know what you're still not going to get it <laughs> yeah one of the one of the rough parts of this year how's the uh how's the tops.com experience been for you lately i know you're one of many who have had that issue with winning a raffle and not having you know, an opportunity to purchase cards but i know you're a big fan of some of the on-demand products as well you know, I, I messaged you before. I was looking for that 582, and I never got a message. I, I'm on their email. I, I went. I was looking every day and never saw it. And then all of a sudden, I saw the commotion. How that got, uh, you know, went wrong. The debacle that was. And then I was like, well, I never even saw it to begin with. I never saw anything for Sapphire. You know, so I, I don't know what they're doing with sending out that information i wouldn't have bought a 300 box of sapphire anyway but yeah i kind of regret doing that myself well <laughs> the problem you had i hope was outside of that but man a 300 box should come a little bit better shipped yeah the, i agree to blame the shipping companies a little i have an issue with tops anyway so. but even so i like I remember when I saw it go on sale, I was like, well, I can't not buy it. I was like, I'm sure I can always resell it for the same price if I change my mind. And if I don't buy it right away, it's going to be sold out. But I'm like, right. 300 bucks. this was $50 last year. Like, what the hell? For it's like 36 not, It's not a $300 box. I understand the secondary market on Sapphire has been crazy, but it's like 32 cards, $300, a 700-card set. So just to hit like a top-notch base card is pretty tough right like it's like one in 20 boxes to hit like a Juan Soto base card like that's well it's ridiculous at 300 dollars you wanted just a Bryce Harper uh for your Phillies collection geez it'd be impossible so it's yeah I still need to uh pick one of those up I I honestly like I haven't gone die hard looking for the singles but when I have looked there's not a lot to choose from because at that price point, it's hardly worth breaking. I feel like not a lot has been broken this year of Sapphire. Right. I still have one sealed and it's a little beat up, but it's not too bad. I opened the one that was worse 
and it's like, I guess I didn't do horrible, but I didn't do great. I got an Aquino rookie, which he's not exactly the hottest of rookies, but it's still like right. a, probably like a $40 card just because. And like my autograph was Seth Brown, which is probably like a $10 card. And, you know, got, got mostly a selection of couple dollar cards. And I'm just like, I don't yeah. see any path to uh, getting, you know, half the money back if I chose to do so. Yeah, I just, that product, when I heard what the checklist and all that, I was just like, oh my goodness. And that's just tops paint getting paid off on the secondary market. They went ahead and made the money off of it, so. And the funny thing is 2018, which is now probably like $4,000 a box, like literally that shit, that stuff was available for like at least a week, if not two. Right. Like people were not jumping to buy that. I think it was like $200 a box, but you is got- Is that the one that was a full set? But Well, you got 100 cards. Uh, okay. 2016, I think they sold by the set. Right. I think 2017 might've been sold by the set as well. Then 2018, they sold- uh, a box with 100 cards. I think you got, of, I think you got four, four autographs, yeah. like two parallels and, you know, 94 base cards or something like that. Right. Um, and I think it was like 200 bucks, which, you know, $200 sounds expensive, but at least you got a hundred cards. Like you, you got some value there. Cause you figure right. if the base cards are worth approximately a dollar, you know, it's kind of close to half your money right there and then a few autographs. So I opened one on camera and I did hit Nakuna autograph and I sent it in for grading and it got a 10. So I did did oh, quite yeah. well on that one. But right. overall, Sapphire is uh, it's a cool product, but it is crazy expensive. Well, I'm, I'm glad it went back to the blue. Went away from the white look like cracked ice or atomic or whatever yeah i like the cracked ice look but for sapphire they should keep it blue so i think right. that was a good move you know it's one of those generally speaking when you think about the the cost of attempting the break i mean really it makes the singles for your you know base stars and stuff generally speaking not too bad um and i think that's a fun product to just pick up some guys you like some players you enjoy watching it's one of those things if i see them at a cheap price if i'm trying to combine shipping i'll pick them up for a buck or two if i can you know your bigger stars might cost you five or ten bucks but it's a lot better than spending three hundred dollars and not getting the guy you want right yeah yeah i mean that's you know i went back and forth on that ben baller that i bought but man i just felt good buying a box at srp and that wasn't close to what that was in this I think it was only 200 cards set or something. So, and you and did, did uh, you did pretty really well, well too. Yeah. Did you get what two Bobachette base cards plus like a bunch of color parallels? I got that Tatis Jim card, Ben Baller Jim that was numbered. Um, it's a cut. Uh, Do you see that one? Yeah, yeah. It was that. a, that's such a weird product because I know there were some people who broke boxes and literally got no parallels, and then Nothing. there were people who got like four, five, six. So I got two of those gym cards in there. I got that one and a Tani. The Tani didn't wasn't numbered, but the Tatis was. Yeah, I've, I've watched uh, some some auctions for some of those. Um, yeah, I haven't pulled the trigger on one, but definitely on my list of. Uh, 
you know, some stuff I want to pick up. There's just, there's a, an abundance of products out there, which means an abundance of singles. There's always just so much. It can be hard to keep up with sometimes, but every now and then you kind of dive in and just go to town picking up some singles. I used to be a big COMC guy, great place to kind of add a whole bunch, you know, and get them all shipped at once. But unfortunately, uh, they've been uh pretty bad lately so i really haven't dealt with them too much so it's kind of ebay or bust it's just it's rough it's good when you find an ebay seller who has a large selection where you can combine shipping and right you know add a whole bunch of stuff it gets a little old when you're buying like dollar cards and paying four dollars for shipping well that i i uh i pretty much i'm on sport lots for that that i've been doing pretty well i sell and and buy on there so yeah, I've been buying some stuff on there, and I will pick up some stuff for the collection. It's just, come see, you got it back, you know, before they, uh, you know, decided to kind of give up, seemingly. Though, shout out to them. They finally got, you know, the message when I bombarded them with messages. And they actually shipped both my orders, one that was scheduled to ship in January and the one that was scheduled to ship back in June. So, I guess it kind of evens out. Um you know, ComC gave you the look at the card, right? Uh, and I, I think Sports Lots, Sport Lots is a little harder to shop on, um, unless you really know what you're looking for. It's hard to really right. browse too much, but I will definitely right. go on there um, when I'm looking for some stuff to either complete sets or uh, certain cards I'm looking for. You kind of have to do a little work to shop from the same seller too um, to try and combine things, but. It's definitely a good tool. It's definitely a, a site to check out, especially if you're looking for some lower end stuff. Just looking for some stuff for the PC. Um, yep, I, I, I do like I do like them a lot. Yeah, I just pulled my ComC inventory off last month, so they were killing me on the fees. So you got to yeah. I only had like I years ago would sell some stuff with them. I shipped some stuff in, and then. Uh, couple nationals ago probably like three years ago i dropped some stuff off like some extra stuff from breaks and i was like i don't have room to bring this home it's not stuff i need i dropped it off with them there i haven't put anything in that account i just for the last couple years have been using it exclusively as a buyer Uh, but i still had some leftover stuff and they just had the free black friday and cyber monday sales i just put the few cards i'd left like 90 percent off and i think i'm almost out of them finally it's like one of those right. things i just want to get rid of them at this point i had quite a bit in it because I'm i not- fell into uh i spent everything i had on my last order right and then i fell into debt like i was they charged me like a nickel or something i was like in the red for a nickel i was like i'm have no plans on paying you guys, but then a card sold, so I got even, and I was like, "Yeah, let me just sell the rest of what's in here, just so it's in there. I don't want to be getting any kind of inventory charges or any nonsense like that." Well, I, I, to try to figure out their fees, I almost had to hire an accountant, but um, yeah, I just I just didn't like them. I, I and I'm not getting my cards back till February, so that's, that's what's what you know ridiculous. They used to be really good. I used to enjoy them, but. I don't know what's going on with them, but they certainly don't seem to be too worried about, you know, improving their business practices. Like, I understand everyone's faced challenges in 2020, but at a certain point, you got to get things together. I mean, you literally have cards, you, you have to pull the cards, put them in a box and send them out. You're not. You don't have a line of cards to be graded or something like that. Not that the grading companies aren't taking forever, but I mean... 
and then they give you a date and it's like a month passes. It's like, are you guys actually going to ship it? You've had four months to get to this date. Like what is going on? Yeah, it's very poorly run. So I mean, I want to blame it on COVID. So it seems like, you know, I've been working through COVID. So my business hasn't slowed up at all <laughs> where I work at. So <laughs> Yeah, I think it's been a convenient excuse for them to uh, – I think they've been focusing more on the eBay side of things because obviously they have no choice right. um, but to follow through on the eBay transactions in a timely manner. So I think the basic things are just pushed to the side, and they're like, we'll get to them when we get to them. Yeah. Yeah. But, that's, that's, you know – If I'm going to buy something, I go to the eBay store and buy it from there. That way I know it's going to be shipped in three days. Yeah, so. rather than, you know – Wait right. until three months if you're lucky. <laughs> or you could pay for next day. So you might as well just went to eBay and paid a little bit extra. <laughs> yeah, might as well. What? Uh, so we end on a more positive note um, rather than, you know, the disappointment of <laughs> COMC.com. What, uh, are you looking forward to any specific products, 2021, anything? Uh, even though we still have products to go in 2020, believe it or not, even though, you know, we're in the last month of the year coming up here. We still have Ginter Chrome, Stadium Club Chrome, Bowman Draft, Bowman's Best, and probably a few other products. But uh, looking ahead to 2021, any uh, specific products you're personally looking forward to? Uh, of course, flagship. And uh, I'm kind of interested. What are, what are we getting? Uh, 72 Heritage? Yeah, so we should be I, on 72 this year. That'd yeah, I, I, yeah, I think uh, we're going to get some fun heritage years here. I, I, you know, I can't wait for some of that stuff to see what that And then maybe like. by then, like, Tops Heritage, maybe they'll have all your new Mets and their Mets gear, hopefully. Right. So you don't have to wait for, uh, <laughs> you know, traded or uh, update. Or, you know, you know they, they do well with their uh, – screen or whatever to paint over everything and make it look like they're in the uniform. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, you know, flagship's always fun. That first day it comes out, it's always, it's kind of like almost like the unofficial beginning of baseball kind of. I yes. mean, I know we have spring training. You, you have that first day of pitchers and catchers report. Right. And you see like on the local news, oh, you know, teams down in spring training and it gets you a little excited, but then at that point you're like, all right, I'm ready for games. You get the first spring training game. Right. After a few weeks, you're like, all right, let's get to opening day. But when, you know, in February, when you get that flagship release day, it's like the new season of collecting has begun and you're looking right. forward to, you know, that new upcoming baseball season. So I think that's always fun. I don't know if I'm sold on the 2021 design yet. Oh, I don't like it at all. I, I'm not. Um, I didn't like this year's design. This I kind of like having borders, but I, I feel like if they wanted to put like this little slanty whatever, if they yeah. did it on one side, I think it would have been okay. I don't know why they had to do it on both sides, but I'm sure I'll learn to live with it regardless. I'm definitely looking forward to an Alec Bohm rookie card with the rookie cup. He's part of the Tops All Rookie team, so that's something. Yep. It's a little thing that most people probably won't pay attention to, but I you know I find that cool, the tradition of the Tops Rookie Cup. Yep, you know, I do it's too. featured in both Tops and Tops Heritage, so that should be a lot of fun I, and fun to collect. I usually hang on to them. Yeah, the one the bigger name guys, I usually hang on to them. Like Alec Bone would definitely be one to hang on to. So, 
maybe like I don't know, maybe that 2021 design will look a little better in chrome, but I'm not sure. I don't yeah, know. See, I didn't like 2020 flagship, but the chrome is so clean. It looks so clean in chrome, but in the paper, I didn't like. And same way, I, I think I'll feel the same way on 2021. I learned to live with the 2020, and I, I don't mind them. I got used to it, but I really like the color parallels are really bad this year. Like, I'm not a fan of them at all. The yeah, previous well, color parallels were so much better um, in previous years than 2020. So we'll I really see what 2021 like the, looks like. The 2017 color parallels were beautiful, where they had the like a pop behind the player. Yeah, that's awesome looking. Some of those uh, Independence Day ones, they're just yeah. great looking cards. The golds from that year are beautiful. This, I mean, that was a beautiful card. So. Yeah, they didn't yeah. really think through the parallels very well. I think that's probably why this year I, my favorite parallel from like flagship was just like the foil. I was like, oh, the foils stand out yeah. a lot this year. It's probably because the gold ones are just like this ugly golden color on the border, which you hardly notice unless you're really right. looking forward to it. Well, that's what people were complaining about when they were looking. It was breakers missing them in breaks and not getting them back to people and stuff. It was it was kind of bad there at the beginning because people didn't know what to look for. I do think the checklist will be pretty good this year between series one, two and update. I think there's a lot of guys who made their major league debuts in 2020 and obviously there'll be more in 2021. So there certainly should be a lot of youthful players uh, making their way into products, which I think it's good and it's bad. It's good because it's exciting as a, you know, baseball and baseball card enthusiast, but in the era of the uh, hype and flip, we'll see how that uh, how that treats us. You know, with that many young players potentially having rookie cards um, between all the different products, we'll see if the hype train uh, kind of continues to that point. But right. I guess you, you guess you never know. I mean, certainly right now, that's still the way things are trending. But things we gotta wait for change. the we gotta wait for Bowman and see what seventeen year old person comes out that's never played an inning gets five thousand dollar for auto so. well they'll they'll make their you know minor league debut about the same time as jason dominguez finally does <laughs> and he goes oh for four there's gonna be a lot of sad people <laughs> i just like i understand the hype and the excitement like for a point where it becomes a five or ten dollar card but right i just don't like when you get into astronomical numbers i'm like why like he's at least minimum two or three years if everything goes right from making his major league debut like investing right. that much money in a guy who's never played in you know professional baseball it's well they're it doesn't make like much sense right. but then again you right. know certain rookie cards going for more than you know all-time greats doesn't make a lot of sense either right yeah and well, you don't even have to do all-time greats. Cause should he be more than Soto or Acuna or, you know, I mean, he's bigger. I mean, it's just stupid to me. I have an, I have an, a number and it doesn't go past, especially for a guy that's never played an inning. So good luck to all those people. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. At least Juan Soto, you know, despite, you know, no matter what happens for the rest of his career, I mean, he has had his moment in the sun playing right. in performing well in and winning a world series. It's like, 
Well, I, I just I think don't get it. Like, I get the excitement of buying into like a player or a team you collect and stuff. And, you know, yeah. I'm sure you've experienced it. I've experienced it where you get really excited. You probably overpay a little bit for certain cards, but it's part of your PC. It's kind of there for life. So you accept it. I mean, I guess you could wait, but sometimes it's more fun to own things in the moment and enjoy them for a little lengthier part of time rather than wait until things uh, go the wrong way. But I don't know. I, I personally am not someone who ever like buys up a ton of prospects. Like I'll buy up some, I'll pick up some cards as a guy is close to the major sometimes, but like when first Bowman rookies come out, I'm like, he was their first round pick, but like, if it's like five bucks, I might pick it up for the heck of it, but I'm not paying like a hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars when I could buy an established player. It just, it's never made sense to me. And at that point, you never know if the guy's going to make it to the majors at all. But even if he does, you don't even know if he's going to be playing for the team you collect. Like he could easily be part of a trade or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, in my video, I made, I mentioned like I was all in on Travis Hefner. I bought a, a thing from when he made his first pitching debut thinking he was going to be somebody special, but you know, for the Mets and probably nobody even knows who I'm talking about now, but um, he's probably bagging groceries somewhere, but, or a pitching coach at a college or something, but uh, not Travis Huffman. I don't even know what the guy's first name is anymore. He pitched against Strasburg, but uh yeah, there's always players that you thought were going to be big that just don't don't make it. I mean, there's I'm going through my cards all the time and seeing them and giggling and just thinking about Jason Dominguez, who I wish I hope he does well just because he's a young man. So yeah, you're certainly not rooting against a player, but no. you know sometimes. He is a Yankee. <laughs> I mean, sometimes the people who make the irrational decisions to, uh, you know, spend $20,000 on a one-of-one one autograph of a guy who's never played. Sometimes maybe you're just asking to take a beating. I don't know. Right. It's crazy. But, Scott, it's been a, a great conversation. Yeah. I've had a blast talking to you. Always enjoy your content. I want to recommend everyone out there. Check out the channel. Big Scott 35. Uh, I will post a link in the YouTube version of this podcast. You guys can check it out over on the YouTube channel, Mike O. Scott, any other uh, areas of social media you're involved in? Um, I'm trying Twitter a little bit. Um, I'm an old guy trying Twitter. Uh, and I do Instagram just a little bit. And, uh, that's Big Scott 35 on both of those. And uh, that's – I also have a small eBay store and sport lots of Big Scott 35 on all of them. How do you and, uh, how do you spell Big Scott 35 for those who might be uh, looking it up rather than clicking on a link? <laughs> right. Uh, little B, 1, G, S, C, O, T, T, 35. And it should, Lord, should definitely pop up for you. So any uh any final thoughts there, Scott? No, just uh you know, we talked about <laughs> some negatives there at the end, and uh I don't want to end that that, you know, just be happy with what you're buying and and have fun with it. Uh, I know that even the investors, they have fun with that. Um it's a rush for them. So just be happy with what you're doing. Yeah, it's always uh 
It's always got to be about fun, the thrill of collecting, no matter how you do it. Uh, if you break stuff, you know, you got to keep in mind you are spending money for the enjoyment factor, the thrill of potentially pulling something big, grading. You know, there's there's something fun about getting a fresh order of slabs in and seeing them for the first time and, you know, seeing how you did. Inevitably, there'll be a few you didn't do as well as you thought or hoped, but there'll be some that exceed expectations. Um, there's something fun about, you know, being correct when you evaluate what you're sending in and how you think you'll do. And of course, collecting, um, adding to the collection is always fun, but even just going back and enjoying what you do have and kind of reminiscing about, you know, what those cards and what those players mean to you is all big time and always important. And I think it's something that, again, sometimes in the height of the hobby right now can get lost. Um, when the emphasis is, you know, more so on uh, just values and such. So I think those are all important. And uh, just connecting with other people is an important aspect. So check out Big Scott 35. Check out some of the other podcasts if you care to do so. And I appreciate you listening as always. Talk to you later. Mm-hmm.